Chapter 11. The High-Walled Rose Garden. Understanding there is life outside the academy. Understanding the job market and opportunities available post-PhD is essential to help navigate uncertainty around what comes next, as well as setting realistic expectations. Many of us go into doing a PhD with the expectation of becoming a professor one day, despite the fact that looking at the data, the probability is slim. Data, according to HESA, Higher Education Student Statistics, shows that in the United Kingdom, the average number of enrolments in doctoral research was just over 100,000 students per year, from 2015 to 2020. Over the same time period, the number of individuals employed at UK universities only increased by 1,795 professorial positions from 2015 to 2020, with an average of 16,600 positions in total. This shows a huge disparity between the number of professorial positions and the cumulative PhD registrations each year. Further, given that the changeover of academics is slow, once someone has a professorship, they are likely to stay in post for a decade or more, with over half of all professors aged 55 or over. The likelihood of becoming a professor drops even lower. Of course, not all jobs in academia are at professorial level, but even other teaching and research jobs that are available are significantly lower, about 64,000, with a slow turnover rate compared to PhD positions. I do not tell you this to dishearten you or to put you off pursuing your PhD. There are many reasons why we do a PhD, including for the love of research, the academic freedoms it offers, as well as in some cases, simply getting a fancy title we can use. I tell you to highlight to you that whilst a PhD may seem like a good option for you, it does not guarantee a professorial position. However, knowing that the majority of PhD students do not become tenure-track professors, it is clear that they must end up working somewhere else, i.e. you have options. By knowing how competitive the academic job market is, it is possible to build skills and ensure you have employability options that extend well beyond the academy. This also means that expectations as to what makes a good academic has also changed, due to the high competition for positions. With the push to distinguish oneself from others in order to eventually join tenure track or get a professorship in the UK, overwork has reared its ugly head and become normalised. Hypercompetition is perhaps the biggest driver of a toxic working culture within academia. It encourages overwork, with approximately 50% of PhD students reportedly working 51 hours or more per week, and 5% working greater than 80 hours. This, in and of itself, is a health risk, with EU Working Directive 2003-88-EC suggesting a maximum working week of 48 hours, because over this can be dangerous for both physical and mental health. Further, data by the Royal Society suggests that only 0.45% of people that study in the sciences go on to become professors. Whilst these data are primarily from science, technology, engineering and mathematics, STEM, a similar trend is seen within humanities, as observed through the Humanities Indicators Project, part of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, which found that less than 30% of employed PhDs work in post-secondary education, with the rest leaving academia, with many joining legal, management and business-orientated careers. When looking at these statistics, we must also consider the success rate of marginalised groups. This attrition rate is even worse for women in academia, 
with women only making up 28% of professorial staff in the UK, the so-called leaky pipeline. Further, only 0.7% of UK university professors are black. This means that beating the odds and becoming a professor is slim. This is changing, though, with increasing numbers of underrepresented groups advancing in academic spaces every year. Concerningly, according to the Nature 2019 PhD Mental Health Survey, whilst just over half of respondents felt that department staff were open to them pursuing a career outside of academia, only 29% said they had been given useful advice on this, and three-quarters of respondents thought their programme was not preparing them well for a non-research-related career. This is why I think career uncertainty and understanding future career options are intrinsically related to PhD mental health and are important to discuss in this book. So what does this mean for you and surviving your PhD? Those giving you advice may not know any different. Repeatedly, I see leaving academia described as selling out or that it is a waste of a good mind if someone goes to work somewhere else. But when we reflect on the individuals that say these statements, most of the time they have little to no experience of working outside of academia, and thus they are making judgments based on knowing very little about the opportunities beyond the academy. This is the high-walled rose garden. This means that those that have made it in academia can only see the appeal of academia because they are actively inside it, and assume that life outside it is worse. In some cases, this is a self-preservation tactic. If you've dedicated your whole life to academia, perhaps you do not want to know that your quality of life may have been equally as good or better outside of it. You can succeed in academia, but it may come at a cost. To be competitive in a hyper-competitive environment is incredibly difficult. Overwork and managing mental illness is often not conducive to one another. This does not mean that success in academia is not possible, just that investment in mental health management is essential. In all likelihood, you will leave the academy. The statistics clearly show that at some time point, you will likely leave the academy. Preparing for this transition is therefore essential. The PhD process is an opportunity to build your skill sets to help navigate this. Note, leaving the academy does not mean you cannot be an academic. Whilst we can feel pressured internally and externally to just knuckle down and get our PhD work done, The benefits of extracurricular work during the PhD process cannot be stressed enough. There will likely be a range of different ways you can contribute to the wider community and build skills during your PhD, such as joining committees, attending learned society meetings, connecting with peers and subject experts through social media, writing for magazines, equality, diversity and inclusion work, joining and even running student societies, reviewing papers, running outreach events. Of course, the balance of these in relation to doing your PhD research is important. You have a PhD to complete at the end of the day, so finding what balance works for you and not burning out is needed. This is often trial and error. Doing extracurricular work can have huge benefits in terms of building contacts, as well as helping you figure out what work you enjoy and what work you really do not. There is huge power in both. One of the caveats around doing additional work is much of it is unpaid, and despite what some people say, experience and exposure really do not pay the bills. To this end, if this extra work is eating into self-care time or means that combined with your PhD work you have little to no energy left, 
the extracurricular work may have to take a back seat. In these situations, asking for time to do this work, specifically during your PhD hours, can be helpful. In the eventuality that something has to give, it is worth remembering that for most of this extra work, you are volunteering your time and asking for extensions or a hiatus or even stepping away from the work entirely is at your discretion. Another common issue is that equality, diversity and inclusion, EDI work, often falls heavily on already underrepresented, historically marginalised groups. This can be a heavy burden. Not doing the work means that perhaps less people will be inspired to continue in academia, but doing the work means less time to do actual research. And as a member of a marginalised community, with the odds of success in academia already stacked against you, deciding on the best course of action can be extremely difficult. Further, EDI work is, despite its importance, often not given the same weighting as other academic work, like publishing papers. This is a research culture issue. I cannot tell you what the right decision is for you on whether to invest your time in EDI initiatives. I can, however, tell you that whatever your decision, you have to do what is right for you and your career. If you're experiencing significant pushback from your PhD supervisor to not do extracurricular activities, it is worth noting that some funding bodies expect professional development opportunities to be included as part of your PhD training. Further, if doing a task is going to add to your CV and take a small amount of time, sometimes it is better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Reframing your skill sets. Now, perhaps it is not traditional when talking about mental health to focus on the skills that you have learned during your PhD and how translatable they are but I think this is necessary based on my own experience transitioning from academia to industry. If we feel as though we are pigeonholed into a particular career direction, or that we have not developed the skill sets we need to branch out of academia, this can add stress and ultimately affect mental health. Worrying about what comes next can also add significant stress. So what skills are you learning as you go through your PhD? Learning to learn, fast. One of the biggest and most translatable skills that you are learning during your PhD programme is how to learn. Not only that, but how to process complex information, fast. This is a hugely valuable skill in academia, industry and beyond. It also means that if you decide to change research direction, you know where to start. Typically reading around a subject and not being afraid to ask questions. Managing large projects. Your PhD project is similar to running large research endeavours outside of academia. You're demonstrating the ability to time manage, plan ahead and course correct where necessary, which are all hugely valuable skills. Supporting students. The chances are that during your PhD programme, you're going to get the opportunity to support undergraduate research projects and will frequently help PhD students around you, particularly those just starting out. This is all people management and leadership skills and can be used as examples of such. Managing finances. Your PhD may require you to order consumables, pay for conferences and purchase equipment. All of this requires some understanding of budgets as well as searching for the best possible prices. Collaboration and connections. Working as a team is a highly valued skill in all jobs and shows that you can work creatively with a diverse team of people. Having a network of people you know within your field can also be beneficial, not only to yourself, but also to future employers. Understanding challenging concepts. 
you have demonstrated the ability to critically think and problem solve, as well as get to grips with challenging concepts. These skills are highly translatable to any work that comes next. Communication skills. Writing and presenting on your research during your PhD demonstrates that you have built up confidence to present your work, as well as develop the ability to present complex information in a clear, easy-to-understand manner. Note, you should be taught these during your PhD study. If not, you are within your rights to ask for support. Now, perhaps you're not getting experience of some of the skills I have listed here. It may be that there is no opportunity within your PhD position to explore some of these. But this also highlights the power of asking for opportunities too. For example, asking to manage a master's student project. Not only can this build confidence, but lead to increased skill sets that make you highly competitive for your next role. Transitioning from your PhD. After completing your PhD, the next big challenge is managing the uncertainty of what comes next. Juggling searching for jobs and writing up can be very stressful. The first step in this process is to explore what you want to do in the first place. A good exercise is to think critically about what you want in each of the following areas to help determine your next steps. Self. What are your values? What parts of your work do you enjoy? What do you dislike? Strengths. What are you good at? What skills have you picked up during your PhD? Networks. Who can get you to where you want to go? How might they help you? Have you got a clear online profile, such as LinkedIn or a personal website? And is it up to date? Opportunities. What options are there out there for someone with your skill set? If there is something you want to do, but you don't feel fully qualified, what experience do you need to get? Want. Do you want to move country? Would you rather stay living where you are? Need. Do you need a job immediately? Understanding these questions can really help determine your next actions. For example, if you have to pay your rent or mortgage, getting a job doing anything to pay your bills to start with may be the only option. This will dictate the range of jobs you apply for and how much time is necessary to put into applications. You may also feel overwhelmed balancing thesis writing and job applications at the same time. Prioritisation really comes into play here. Job posts are typically cyclical, with most job application windows being open for at least a week. This means that job applications can likely be limited to one or two days a week, allowing you to focus on your thesis for the rest of the time, without missing out on opportunities. Many universities and professional bodies also run CV writing workshops to assist you in the job application process. Take advantage of these. Further, if you have a mentor, a postdoc in your research group, or even your PhD supervisor, they may be able to look over your CV and double-check the content. If you're applying for varied job roles, it may also be worth making CVs tailored to the areas you're applying to. For example, senior scientist, lab manager, research assistant, where different key skills are highlighted, and the most suitable one can be used for applying to particular job roles, with minimal editing to speed up the application process. Debunking the myths. There are a range of myths that we might hear during the PhD process, which might put us off exploring work outside of the academy. It is important to address these as many of them are just that, myths. Myth one, there is no way to be creative outside of academia. 
We can be so concerned about having the academic freedoms to explore what we want that we can think that academia is the only place for us. Yet there are thousands of jobs outside of academia that rely on creativity and doing research. Myth 2. Academia is more flexible for family life. Academic work can be flexible, particularly during school vacation time, providing time to look after children or do other caring responsibilities. This does not mean that it is not possible to achieve this outside of academia. Many companies operate with core hours, enabling flexible working. It is also important to remember that even though academia appears flexible, there is a huge number of working hours that are often not written on the work contract, but are often necessary nonetheless. Myth 3. Leaving academia is selling your soul. Going to work for industry can often be touted as selling your soul, or giving into capitalism in some way. There is no shame in wanting to have your skills valued or earn more money. You must do what is right for you. Myth 4. If you leave academia, you cannot return. While it may be more difficult to return to academia if you leave, this is not necessarily the case. Many people return to study later in life. Further, some of the most sought-after lecturers have industrial experience. Myth 5. You are not an academic if you are not at a university. Often, being in academic study is associated with university settings, but the two are not exclusive to one another. You can be an academic inside and outside of the academy. Leaving the university setting does not take this away, nor are research jobs exclusive to university settings. I say this to you as someone working in industry, writing this academic book. Should I stay or should I go? Deciding to pursue a career in academia is not something I can advise you on from here. It truly does depend on your unique situation. There is no right or wrong answer. Sometimes we need to put ourselves first. Constantly upending your life to move to a new institution or new country every year due to the precarity of postdoctoral contracts may not be okay for you. This doesn't mean that you are not committed to research, just that your priorities are focused on your well-being. Whilst international moves can be exciting, the pressure to move country to build a competitive CV can be complicated and might mean leaving your support network behind, which is essential for you to maintain good mental health. You may deem this worth it for your shot at your dream job in academia. The point is, it is your choice to make. Further, continuing on to do a postdoctoral position in academia as it is the most convenient option for you is more than okay, even if you have no intention of staying in academia long term. Again, a range of skills you learn during postdoctoral work are translatable to jobs outside of the academy, so you are not just wasting your time or delaying the inevitable by staying for a while. Sometimes having income and stability, even if it is only for a year or two, has to be a priority. And maybe, just maybe, it might reignite your passion for academia. In some cases, it is deemed that better work-life balance and the better mental well-being that comes with it is actually obtainable in industry or government jobs outside of academia. This, of course, depends heavily on the organisation and working culture they foster. During the time of writing this book, the COVID-19 pandemic is ongoing, and what has been termed the Great Resignation, with university staff leaving academia, is happening for exactly this reason, with the pandemic adding strain onto an already strained system. Finally, 
It is also worth mentioning that success in academia does not equate to professorship. There are many jobs within academic settings, whether it is being a teaching fellow, a research fellow, being research adjacent, or a job in professional services. You do not need to be a professor to be happy and do research. Finally, if you are still absolutely sold on the idea of being a professor one day, and it is a lifelong dream of yours, know that it is absolutely possible. Advocating for better. How can career uncertainty be improved for PhD students? Determining the next steps after PhD study can be overwhelming, particularly if a PhD student is having to juggle writing up their thesis as well as searching for a job. It is therefore important that universities prepare PhD students for the big what's next. In my opinion, this can be done by 1. Building in professional development. Providing dedicated time for professional development per week or month, ensuring that PhD students are developing transferable skills. 2. Paint a realistic picture of the academic job market. Being honest with PhD students about the competitive nature of academia and the lack of academic jobs is an important conversation, as this may not have been considered. 3. Feature role models. Seeing alternative jobs that are available as well as individuals doing them can be incredibly powerful as both a motivator and simply putting a spotlight on career options that may not have previously been considered. 4. Consider the inclusion of an extracurricular thesis chapter. More recently, there has been a push at some institutions to enable one thesis chapter to be about extracurricular work done during PhD study and I hope to see this as a practice adopted in other universities too. This is hugely beneficial as it enables students to give back to their research community as well as develop new skills. Five, consider emergency funds. Applying for a job during the write-up phase of a PhD if there are concerns over paying bills and rent is incredibly stressful. If possible, funding should be available to ensure that PhD students do not have to worry about writing up with no income.